0: Welcome to the Dollars and Dumbbells podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green, a certified financial planner and CFO for online coaches, and I'm on a mission to help online coaches keep more money in their pockets. If you're building an online service business and you want to learn how to grow your profits, manage your money, and pay less taxes all while pursuing your dream life, then you're in the right place. Justin Green is the founder of AssistFP, a financial planning firm, and Be A Wealthy Coach LLC, an outsourced CFO service. All opinions expressed in this episode are mine solely and not reflective of AssistFP or Be A Wealthy Coach. As always, this podcast is not advice and it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Always consult with your own financial tax and or legal advisor before making any decisions. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Green, Certified Financial Planner and CFO for Online Coaches. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Jared Hamilton. Jared is an online health and fitness coach, and we dive into his journey to becoming a coach And also, we get really focused on the topic of investing in yourself, hiring mentors, and spending on education. And I really love the conversation because he does it the right way. He spends a lot of money on it, but he doesn't do it until he can afford it. And he's really, really focused on getting ROI when he does do so. I've been critical, as most of you know, in the past of wasting, overspending money by quote-unquote investing in yourself so this was a really great conversation to clear up some of those misconceptions where people have been in my dm saying i know you're anti-business coach which is simply not true i'm, I'm anti-spending money that you do not have and so this was an awesome conversation with jared real quick before we dive in if you enjoy this episode then you will definitely enjoy the wealthy weekend newsletter each week i write one essay and curate content including financial tips on how to build and grow wealth in your business and personal life sign up now and it will hit your inbox this friday afternoon you can find the link in the show notes or in my bio on instagram at Green fp all right let's dive into the conversation with jared hamilton jared thanks for coming on brother
1: what's up man i appreciate you having me on
0: yeah absolutely let everyone know where you calling in from
1: so I'm from Indianapolis,
0: Indiana. So Very cool. Very cool. Um, I got a lot of friends out there, a lot of advisor friends. So I want to get out there one of these days and, and check out that area. Um, you know, I, I also, I've been following uh, Iron Valley Barbell for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. It was one of like the first fitness accounts I followed. And oh, nice. so I uh, I knew an advisor who worked out there for quite a while. I'd love to check that place out as well. But, and Indy's a pretty cool place. It's kind of uh, under the radar, but, you know, it's, I've heard good things.
1: You either love it or hate it. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't get like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's like, it, it's a double-edged sword. I don't know if, if I got like spit out of the proverbial womb and had to live somewhere. I don't know if I would just pick sure. Indianapolis. Um, basically all, both my wife and my families are here. Um, <clears> and we're, we're, we're close to both. So, um, so that's really the biggest reason we stay like long-term. Like I don't think I'll ever not have a house here, but long term I'd just like to have property in like three or four different places. Then I could just bounce around, but I don't think I'll not ever have a home here. So
0: For sure. That makes a lot of sense. Where would you if you had the choice, where would you where would you go?
1: Um, I would like uh I've I've always wanted a place in Florida. Um Mm -hmm. some of the the nicer spots in Florida. I wouldn't mind a spot in like the desert, like in maybe Arizona, like Scottsdale. Mm -hmm. Um I would also like somewhere like in the mountains where like I have to be careful to not get eaten by a bear like like, <laughs> like um I've never been to Colorado but uh, I've been to Montana and I really really like Montana if I'm feeling like seclusion vibes mm-hmm. get out in like uh um uh, not Bozeman uh where was it but, like Big Sky area is mm-hmm. beautiful so
0: yeah, I've never been out there, but I've watched Yellowstone, so I know that it's pretty desirable. <laughs> dude, we went on a
1: this when I was in when I was uh, last time I was in Montana, we went on a guided tour of Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And it, dude, it's it's dangerous out there. Like I I mean, the, the people we were, we went deep into Yellowstone. Like, I guess they told us deeper than the most people go. And they're like, hey, yeah, see this geyser hole. Someone just disintegrated in this like last year. So don't get in there. And I'm like. Like, like legit. And they're like, yeah, his, his shoe with his foot was found floating in the top. So like they had to give us like the bear mauling talk and and stuff like that. So it's pretty trippy out there.
0: Dude. So you said Florida as well. We, my, my wife was a travel nurse. We lived out in uh, Naples, Florida for a little while. And I'm not a big snake, gator, reptile guy, and so I kind (laughs) of felt like that living there, right? It was like every time I walked out my door, was like, is there a snake? Is there a gator? (laughs) And we had like we lived on like little this whole like it was like a retirement community, but we were just doing a short term stay, and there was just lakes everywhere, and I was like, why do we have lakes in Florida? Like, can we just get rid of these? (laughs) Like, I feel like there's no benefit to having gators in in this environment. But anyways, all right. (laughs) So, uh, all right, let's dive in. And Scottsdale is beautiful as well. I was out there for coaching con last year. So those are some good choices. I like that. Are you going to be there this year? No, we have a baby due in like three weeks. Thank you. Yeah. And I I think we're probably going to come early. So when is it's in April, right? It's it's Mm -hmm. like right after we were due. So I had bought a ticket when I was out there last year. Um, and you know, I thought about going, but I was like, let me just get the ticket anyways. But then once we realized we had a due date like a week before that um i was like yeah that's not gonna happen so yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, i actually gave the ticket away to i had a buddy who's going he's got a friend who's just getting into the coaching industry yeah. so i just gave it to his friend and said, hey go enjoy so that's cool yeah
1: you had it out there i assume yeah yeah me and my my team are going out there again so cool awesome
0: all right so tell us a little bit of background so you are a coach how'd you get into coaching when'd you start tell us a little bit more about that
1: yeah, yeah. So my origin story is a c- complete accident. So um, nice. I, I actually didn't intend on being in the coaching space. Uh, so a little bit of background with me: I was actually uh, an one of those awkward homeschool kids. So um, I was a, I'll just put it like I, I j- we'll just say I struggled a lot. Um, um, like, uh, my parents meant so, like they, they, they wanted to do the homeschool thing and, and everything. And it was fine, but there was a, there's, there's a lot I struggled with in the world of like learning and, and like normal stuff. Um, like for example, when I went to college, it took me like four years to get an associate's degree and I had to drop a class every semester. Like I struggled hard with, with traditional school and stuff. Gotcha. Well, um, I've always been not, like, I've, I always say I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. My dad was an entrepreneur. And, uh, as long as I can remember, I've always been doing something like, when I was 12, I was, I was during the winter here, I would go around door to door asking to shovel old ladies' driveways for 20 bucks. Or um, I, before fitness, I played drums and was into music and I would like, started my own little mini studio in my mom's basement teaching drum lessons. So there's always been this like entrepreneurial side of me just like, let me make my thing a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, then when it came time, we, or, so then what got me kind of into the fitness realm, because I was also a fat kid. Like I was always like, like the epitome of, of a fat kid. I'm always struggled with my own weight, always struggled Mm -hmm. with all the stuff that I talk about in my content. Well, um, I found the gym, well, I found the gym and like fitnessy stuff when I was about 15. Um, I got involved in martial arts when I was like 13. So my older brother wanted to start a martial art class and because I'm little brother, I'm like, Oh, I'll just do whatever big brother does. So Mm -hmm. I took the the class with him, fell, fell in love with, with training in the martial arts because I was a homeschool kid. I never played like any traditional sports. Like I gotta like people ask me all the time, like, cause I'm built like a tree stump. So people are like, Oh, you like wrestle or play football? I'm like, none of it, like <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just built like a tree stump. So <laughs> I'm like five six, like two thirty, <laughs> like I am like a tree stump. Um but uh but I got started in martial arts um, when I was like thirteen. Fell in love with it. Um, was pretty good at it. And then one thing led to another. And then I was in. I ended up from like the age of like thirteen to probably close to twenty. I was at the academy every day. I was doing all their stuff. I was doing multiple arts. I was, it was actually my first coaching job when I was 15. They, they asked if the the guy that owned the place asked if I'd be interested in being an assistant instructor. So I'm like, um, yeah, I get paid to kick shit. Like let's, let's, let's do it. So, um, and that was my first exposure to in very what I would call entry level coaching. I was 15 years old teaching classes, doing one-on-ones, preschool, 60 year olds, like everything in between. So I fell in love with teaching in um, coaching. And then fast forward to 18 years old. Now it's time to go to college. I have no idea what I want to do. Nothing is like screaming at me about do whatever. So, um, but going through the martial arts stuff, I fell in love with biomechanics. Like mm-hmm. I, like I really enjoyed the science of just movement. I'm like, Oh, if I pivot my heel, turn my hips, I can hit harder. Um, That's pretty cool. Oh, this is how joints work. So whatever. So ended up, I also have a lot of like, what I call body issues. Like, uh, like my, I have a bad shoulder. I'm uh hyper, um, uh, I'm hyper flexible, like all this stuff. So I spent plenty of time in physical therapy offices. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should just be a physical therapist. I can make decent money. It's kind of along the same lines, but it was nothing I was like super passionate about. So that's what I started with. I started going to like the physical therapy route, um, fou- found out I love coaching. So in one of my first classes, it was uh, it was like a current concepts in physical fitness class. It was basically a CPT prep class through NASM. So, but it was tied to the university. So we had like practicals and stuff. Found out I fell in love with personal training. One thing led to another. I built an entire personal training business, um, and I was that was like the, the the biggest grind ever. I was doing like 200 sessions a month, like 4:38 to 9 p. Life. Um, my wife is a very patient person. Um, <laughs> so did that for like five years. Uh, just, I was working for different gyms and then I really dove into my independent stuff. So I was completely self-employed. So are
0: you still in college at this point or you've, you've left college?
1: Uh, both, like, because exactly. college took me forever. Um, but, um, but yeah, but even after college, I still kept doing my personal, the personal training gotcha. thing. And it was just strictly personal training out of like my local whatever. i uh, like, I basically paid a local mom and pop rent. And I'm like, Hey, stay the hell out of my business. And like, I, like I did my own transactions. I marketed myself. It was just, they just made a little bit extra money every month be from, from my right. rent. So did that for a long time. And then right when I started getting really burned down on that, um, cause you can only do that for so long. Um, I found out about this online thing. I've learned about online coaching, how you can make more money, scale your business and work less, um, that kind of thing. Um, so right out the gate, I started creating content And in, in that day during that time, it was like tutorial videos or, Hey, here's how to not deadlift. And here's how to deadlift the right way, that kind of stuff. And one thing led to another. And then I started building my online business. I hired my first mentor um, who helped me get that off the ground. Um, took me like four years out the gate to even make like four, like well, uh, maybe probably three more years to even make like 50,000 a year, like consistently online. It took me like what I felt like forever. Um, Cause I didn't have a following either. So over that time is when I got, like my Instagram and things like that. Um, You know, what's crazy.
0: You just said that felt like forever. That's actually normal. Yeah. Like a lot of people, they, they, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of coaches, especially young coaches, they see the really successful coaches and they think like, Oh, I'll be there in like a year or two years. Mm -hmm. No, like you have to eat dog shit for like three to five years, Yep. you know, uh, to before, before, yeah, one, you have to learn some of the mistakes you're just going to make the hard way um but the reality is it's just a it's a compounding game like you mm-hmm. said like you're you're building your following you don't have it yet right so it's hard to monetize a following that you don't have right. um but yeah so that's actually normal uh i just kind of okay. want to point that out for any young coach listening like yep. that's you know prepare for that that's that's mm-hmm. gonna happen most likely there's outliers but most likely that's right. the average coach
1: yeah i mean right now i'm at like year eleven in coaching like professionally. currently. When did like you go currently.
0: online? What, what's the timeline of that?
1: Um, What was the date? I, I don't remember the exact, I've been online for like five, like it was basically like five and five. So, okay. because, because I also, so I'm not a big risk taker person. Like I'm not mm-hmm. a huge, like, uh, like I'm, I'm very calculated with, sure. my st- with stuff like that. Like even like uh, when you ask, like on the questions, you're like, all right, what's the most frivolous thing you've ever spent money on? And like, even my frivolous stuff was super calculated. Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring that up, though, is because I didn't just, like, say, go like pull the trigger and go gung-ho with online coaching. Mm-hmm. I built my in-person training business. Well, it's because – actually, I'll back up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I had normal jobs. Like, I was, like, worked at GNC. I worked at Papa John's and I worked construction mm-hmm. while I was building my in-person training business up. Then when those incomes equaled, that's when I dropped all the, the non fitnessy stuff so I could pursue fitness and training full-time. Then when it was time to transition to online, I didn't just, like, cold turkey go to online – I basically kept my in-person training business. I was paying my bills. Then I slowly built my online business to where like, okay, incomes are about matched. Then I started dropping my in-person stuff and so I could put more time here. So it was never this big like, I'm going all in on me. It was like it was ridiculously like chill. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm only gonna go all I'm only gonna like when my income's equal, I'm gonna start tapering off in-person or whatever the thing was.
0: Yeah, I would actually argue that's probably what helped you be successful too, because Mm -hmm. you know, minimizing those risk. Yeah. Helps you stay in the game longer. And when you first start out, it really is about like, how do I just stay in the game? Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of coaches, I do see they'll, you know, they'll start it as a side hustle, but they'll drop that main job too soon, too early. Or they'll, you know, they'll be in-person training and online coaching and they'll drop the in-person training too early. They'll have one good month of maybe paid in full. So it kind of tricks their mind to think like, Oh, I do 10 K a month. It's like, you did 10k one month, you know what I mean? (laughs) And you spent it all. Uh, (laughs) um, So, you know, I think that's a really good point to emphasize is like, that's probably helped you out with being successful over longevity, you know, over the long term, rather than people who try and, you know, there is an argument for going all in and removing Mm -hmm. some of the distractions. But I also, I I think it's more of a balance. And Mm -hmm. I actually see a lot of this in your content of like, you, you, you focus a lot on behavioral aspects, not just like the biological aspects of, of right. losing weight and fitness and health, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I like to focus on the behavioral aspects of money because money is very behavioral. Mm-hmm. And I think to that point, that's what we're like, that's what you're kind of focusing on is like behaviorally, you're able to stay in this longer by minimizing your risk. Sure. And I think that's what a lot of coaches miss when they try and go all in too early. They don't realize they're actually, they're kind of putting an anchor on their feet. They're making it really hard on themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, and you also, I think that, that also changes the state in which you operate. Um, yes. So I've never been like, I know we like a lot of people will look up to people like the rock and they're like, I work best when my back's against the wall. And like, I get some people are like that, but I think a lot of people, I would argue the majority of people at that point operate out of desperation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's, this is why for me, whenever I was, I had to say my bills paid with whatever I was doing, whether personal training or even before that, like the normal jobs, um, this way, when I'm having consultations, I'm not desperate. Like people can feel that, right?
0: We've all had, I can sh- tell you coaches that are de- like that can't yeah. pay their own bills just from their, their social media. Right. Yeah. If you make an offer every single day, you yeah. only talk about your products. Like yeah. we c- like i as a third party, just you're watching I can feel that I can tell they're desperate and then I know like deep down okay they're probably not able to pay their bills they have to operate yeah. this way
1: yeah I th- I think it's I think it's I think diet culture and hustle culture are very much the same um currently and I think it's sexy and popular and to to talk right now like go all in give up everything and just dive in which I think there's maybe like a couple people that could work work with but I think the vast majority of people need to need to go a little slower need to mm-hmm. be a little more calculated and need to be a little more careful because just like with with anything else everything's a game of longevity right like like who cares if we can lose the weight <clears throat> in 30 days when you're going to gain it back it's a game of how long can we keep the weight off what about like decades from now same thing with finance finances like that you talk about um uh, but it's the same thing with with this is it your business doesn't help you if you if you're going to be done in a year and a half like what can we do to build this business that's going to last decades at a time and that's the way that I, i've always kind of viewed it
0: Absolutely, and I see all the books in the background, so I assume you're a big reader. Are you familiar <laughs> yeah. with Simon Sinek's? Oh, there's even more when you move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you familiar with Simon Sinek's Infinite Game? Have you read that?
1: No, I'm, I'm a big Simon Sinek Simon Sinek fan. Um, I didn't even know that. I've never even heard of that book. By
0: yeah, now. so he's got a book. Uh, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure it's called Infinite Game or Infinite Games. Uh, yeah, it's called The Infinite Game by by Simon Sinek, and, and basically the the premise is is that like. You know, in sports, there's the buzzer goes off at the end of the game, right? Like it's a finite game. There's a right. final score. Someone wins, someone loses. Business isn't like that. Mm-hmm. It's infinite, right? What you do this <laughs> year, you build off of it each and every year, yeah. right? There's no end line. You just keep growing. And so the name of the game is actually just to keep the game going as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and I haven't read it in a long time, but there's a lot of really good lessons from that. And if kind of goes with what you were just saying. So a uh, good book. You should check that out. Nice. I love, it.
1: I've got a couple of his other books back there. I didn't, I like, I'm, I haven't even heard of that one. That's awesome. I'll have to grab that.
0: Uh, I was probably about five or six years ago. Like it was after his start with uh, why I know that's mm-hmm. his, his big one. Um, and he's got the big, I think Ted talk speech on the, you yeah. know, start with your why, which I really like. And um, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm working with someone in finances, it's, we kind of follow that, right? Like, what's yeah. your vision? You got to start there. And I'm sure you probably do that with, you yeah. know, fitness clients as well, like, Absolutely. right, like, w- what's your vision, because we can't mm-hmm. really put a plan together unless I know where you want to go with this. 100%. Um, so yeah, no, really good book. Um. You kind of you you were just mentioning something is like, um, and it reminded me of one of your posts I saw and you were saying like, those who pay attention, or those who pay pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it was really good. And you were you were I was thinking about it from like a business coaching standpoint. And, you know, you were saying how like, some people don't pay and they do really well, but that's because they're executors, right? Like you had a guy who, who followed your content and I think he lost like 70 pounds. He never hired you yeah. anything. was just straight up off content. Um, but it kind of made me think. And, you know, from my side of it, I've seen people who are so irresponsible with their money when it comes to like hiring business coaches and things hmm. that actually paying, unfortunately, doesn't turn them into an executor. If they're not an executor before they pay, even when they do pay, very few of them then turn into executors. There are some who, who do, right? They're motivated by that. Because that, I agree with your statement in theory. Uh, but I've noticed a lot of coaches will hire business coaches. Doesn't work out, then they'll hire another one. Doesn't work out, yeah. they'll hire another one. The reality is, is like, yeah, you can blame the programs to some degree. But also maybe you have to start looking at yourself as sure. well, right? Like you're not executing on it. Uh, but they'll just keep spending. And so I, yeah. I thought it was interesting. I was thinking about that when I saw that post of yours is like, just because you pay for something, won't turn you into an executor. You still have to right. go and execute.
1: Sure. I, th- I feel like, I feel like where a lot of it is. Cause I agree with you completely. Yeah. Um, like cause we'll even see it sometimes in fitness coaching, the majority of people, um, like at least in our, our ecosystem. <clears throat> cause I, 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 say that a lot, like, cause I fully agree with, I fully agree with it. It's, it's, uh, obviously there's outliers, but um I think a lot of it is an expectation game. I think even because even in our stuff, like when it comes to co- some people will join coaching and they think it's like a fairy dust kind of vibe, where it's like, oh, as soon as I paid the money, I'm, all my struggles are going to go away. It's like, oh yeah. no, no, that's open up the door that's going to give you the the map to mm-hmm. go on your journey, and we're just going to make sure you're supported the whole way. But uh, I think that's for for most people, that's an expectation game. Um, I think that's, I think that's the responsibility of the the coach in in that case or the person, whoever's getting paid to solidify like, okay, cool. Now that we're doing this, here's what it's going to take. We have to make sure actions line up with the ambition, but if those actions aren't there, nothing's going to happen. But I would agree with that though, that, that, that some people just, they pay and then they'll just bounce. It's like we see it with diet hoppers or Mm -hmm. a person who does the, the $50 challenge every two weeks at work or whatever. So.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, my point of that was, and I, I don't think I made it clear, was like, if you're a coach, figure out how to execute on the free advice that's out there yeah, first. Totally. Like, figure that out. Like, become an executor before mm-hmm. spending frivolously, right? And yeah. then and then you will be better at executing when you pay someone, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that was kind of what I was thinking on that. Um, all right. So, you know, you've been doing this for, for like 10 years, you know. Things are going pretty well. Was there ever like this, you said, you know, first couple of years suck. Mm-hmm. When, what, well, you didn't say sucked, but you said like 50K, which, yeah, all right, cool.
1: Uh, did you I feel was like poor. That,
0: did you feel like there was this like inflection point where it was like hockey stick or uh, like how did it kind of progress after those first couple of
1: years? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've, the only time I've ever really had a hockey stick moment, like with like a growth chart mm-hmm. was honestly like uh, the last few years. yeah, um, um, it's almost like, Hey, I worked my whole, I worked, you know, I, I busted my ass for like 10 years and became an overnight success. That kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. because for the most part, my growth was very, v- uh, very linear in controlled. Like it was like, I, I mean, it wasn't obviously perfect, but it was like fifties, then seventies, then eighties, then one tens. Like that's how, like, it was never like, Oh yeah, I went from 50 K to 500 K in one year. Um, it wasn't quite anything like that. Um, the last several years, things have gone more hockey stick, but otherwise, <clears throat> um, which I think is a good thing. I, looking back in hindsight, if I had the success that I have now, mm-hmm. five years ago, I would have been an idiot. I, I wasn't ready for it. I think I'm not quite sure. You know, everyone believes something different, but I, I think there's a there's potentially a universal aspect to it. Is like you're not ready for the success you want. I was pissed that I was not five years ago that I was not where I'm at now. Um, financially, client-wise, team-wise, the whole nine yards. Um, but I couldn't handle it. I was a shitty leader. I would, I was, I would have spent the money on, on dumb shit. Um, I would not have been ready for it. So for me, the slow growth was actually very serving. Um, but what started, the, what the big thing that I think that changed the growth stuff is because for the longest time, I still had no idea what I was doing. I would just fulfill at a high level and create results. Um, so it's, it, and, you know, it's like you know, they say, uh, if, if your, your product is good enough, a lot of the marketing takes care of itself or a lot of the re- a lot of the, the junk take care, takes care of itself that we get really tactical about like how to have a sales call and how to market and how to pitch. But when you're just the baddest motherfucker, there is like, not that I'm the baddest by any means, but like early on, I was, I mean, I've always been really good at getting results and taking care of people. Um, so that, that, that let me be not so good on the business side. I, I for the longest time, I always said I was a a coach first and a businessman second, Um, and that's, I think why I would have that slow, steady growth, but then over, over time, my audience would grow. And then I just had more eyes on me and, and I just always provided more value than I would ask for. Um, especially when getting into the early stages of content creation, I like would eat, sleep and breathe Gary V. So it was like a million jabs to the right hook. Mm -hmm. Like I would feel almost, almost too far to where I was so scared to ask so scared to pitch so scared to like I would go 6 months without even making an offer or even like talking about my coaching business it would just be value 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 almost to a fault um but yeah
0: <clears throat> yeah no I think that's um you know I, I think it's a really good point is the like if you ask too much then you you almost squeeze all the juice out of your following like right away no. And then it's like, how do I get a bigger following, right? So now you're on this rat race. But if you don't ask enough, like people kind of don't really know what you do or right. how you can help them. Uh, but the biggest takeaway I took from what you said was like early on, like you you claim you weren't that good at business. I would probably say you might, it might've been better than you actually thought, but um, you focus on client results. So you said results, but I knew you meant client results. Mm-hmm and taking care of clients. And those are the most successful coaches I know in the long run, right? Because I'm the money guy, everyone thinks all I care about is profits. I do care about profits. But (laughs) if you don't take care of your people, profits never come, right? And so when you put profit first before people and purpose, it doesn't work that way, right? You have to prioritize them the right way. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You put people first, figured out how to help them, how do you take care of them? And then you can figure out the other stuff after that, right? Yeah. Uh, because that builds your reputation, then your reputation oh, builds yeah. your following and, and kind of from there. What, yeah. What do you think you struggled with the most when you were a new coach? Like
1: um, I think just the what I would call the machine itself. Like I like I couldn't I think there's there's several things. I think a lot of the specifics, like I didn't know how to conduct myself in a sales scenario. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, Hey, I charge this much. Do you want to do it? Like, that's it. You know, it was like there's no structure to sales at all. Um, I had no idea how to present an offer. Um, and there's a lot of self-worth issues. So I would feel guilty about charging. Like I remember mm-hmm. I was, when I, when I first got online, I'm like, I'm going to pay, charge someone $200. What the fuck? Like I, I felt a lot of, uh, like I wasn't good enough for that. I felt mm-hmm. bad doing that. Um, in that absolutely translates into sales call. Um, just that lack of certainty. Um, and then just understanding how, how the machine works. Um, because I think most coaches starting out are just post and pray. They just they post. I hope I post long enough. I hope someone asks for my help, and then I hope I can close them. Oh, it's a slow month. I'm just gonna crank out desperation content of like, here's more stuff. So I, I think for me, that's I, I was literally just posting and praying, and it the, it worked though. Like I remembered, I would just post online and I, I was i was having applications every single day seven days a week multiple a day i would when i first got on tiktok i could literally make a post to say hey it on clients and have a hundred a hundred applications overnight like it was Damn. stupid um but because i didn't know what i was doing i don't even want to think about the the people i didn't get help and the money <laughs> that i didn't 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 make or whatever but um it's just not quite like that anymore. <clears throat> but even when marketing and branding and uh, attention is there, we still have to make sure that the nuts and bolts of the business are there. Like, well, what happens when Instagram takes a shit? What happened when an algorithm goes out, out, out the wazoo? Well, how many, I didn't even think about, well, how many conversations does it take to get to someone to even book a call? Then how many mm-hmm. calls does it take to 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 create a sale? I had no idea about my numbers or anything like that. So it was just post and pray, hope for the best. And Somehow it (laughs) works. Now you feel like you fixed that now?
0: Like you you feel like you're systems oriented. I do find that the most successful coaches I talk to are very systems oriented. Yeah, Um, And I try and teach to coaches, especially early on is like, because I I think a lot of people are hammering home. Like you need a system, you need a sales system. You need a marketing system, an operation system, client delivery system. Like everything should be systematized. um, But we always forget about the finance system. And so Mm -hmm. i've been kind of trying to hammer that home It's like that also is a system right yeah you you don't need to wing it you don't need to figure it out as you go you can actually put a pretty basic system in it doesn't even need to Mm -hmm. be that hard that complex uh but just be intentional and, and and have a systematic way of dealing with the money in and out of your business um is really important over the long term do you i'm just curious do you have any type of like financial system in your business
1: yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah. When it comes to handling all like, cause otherwise other, like what you mentioned where like someone has a good high month of all paid in fulls mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's, it, it leads you to believe you're doing better than what you are versus like, especially in my case, I have, I have a whole team now. I have a whole team of coaches. So now I have technically even a debt to pay to my, yeah. co- like let's say a, a client signs up a paid in full, like the majority of my business is paid in full. Um, and so, but, I, but, but for me, I know that like, let's say we have, like we had a record month in February, like it was, it was dope. But we, but I also know, like, I, I have a lot of coaches to pay for the next six to 12 months. So for me, I have like my systems in place on how to not overspend, how to make sure things like for tax savings and, uh, you know, withdraws and all that are, are in place. And then also just not be a fucking idiot. So, <laughs> you
0: know, how do you systemize that one? <laughs>
1: right? A lot of self-awareness. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's really important. And if you're mostly operating on paid on paid in fulls. Oof, yeah, really important to have a system yeah. because it's so easy to spend that, you know, and and justify it, right? Like I spent it on the business, I invested in this and that and yada yada. And then you get to the end of the year and you don't have money for taxes. Mm -hmm. you maybe each month, if you do have a team, like you're like, Oh shit, how am I going to pay them? Because, you know, to your point, if someone pays you paid in full, but you owe that obligation to your team to fulfill that, then you have to ration that money over the next, you know, 12 months or whatever that paid in full was, you know, contracted over. So yeah, really important when it's a paid in full having a system in place, Mm -hmm. because I've actually seen a lot of coaches when they don't manage that well, it can really You're crush fucked. the business. Yeah, C- cash flow. I tell people this all the time. Cash flow can kill your business. Right? If you run out of money, you d- like you don't have a business. It is the yeah. heartbeat, the pulse of your business. Money coming in, money coming out. If you can't figure that out, like one bad month, one mismanaged month of that, and You're you can hot. you can either ruin your business or at, at the very least ruin your reputation. Right? Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's huge. That's, that's huge. What you know, I'm just kind of curious. So, you know, you've had a long career and I I think that that kind of just shows to your success. You know, I think a lot of coaches, they probably see you and they look up to you and it's like, Hey, I've been, I've been putting in the reps for 11, 12 years. Um, What would be the like number one thing you would, you would credit to why you've been able to last that long?
1: Um. To be honest, like as corny as it sounds, um, I, I've since the beginning, I've brought on mentors that knew more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been afraid to to hire out everything from professional services like like CPAs or um, like um, like like business coaches or whatever the case is. I think that that's the biggest thing. If I like from day one of going online, I've had a co- like my first mentor was Jordan Syatt. Like a lot of people mm. from here, like no, no Jordan real well. Yeah, I had so, Jordan back
0: on. Maybe like episode 30 something, it was
1: a while ago, yeah. Like, so so for example, before, um, when I was transitioning from in person training to online, I heard about this Jordan Syatt guy, loved his content, found out he does business coaching. So, um, and at the time, I couldn't, I could barely afford it. I was like, holy, that's more than my mortgage! Like, um, it's crazy. Like, I was scared shitless, but I Mm -hmm. did it anyway. Um, but then I'm but then it it profited and it was the best business move ever. He so he mentored me for the next 4 years. So it's why I had such good growth. Um excuse me starting out why because I was it was a lot I like learning the skills of like copywriting and content creation and sales and that's when those things started to compound. But I think I think the biggest thing is number 1 I've never been afraid to hire mentors or people who have what I lack. Um like I don't like especially starting out like when it came to like taxes and the finances. I didn't know any of it. So I hired like a, a, a CPA or an agency, like quick, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. But then I think people also underestimate how, how cheap and easy it is to buy the skills that you need. Um, like everyone's so, so like gung-ho about college, like, cool, it's 300 grand to make 50,000 a year because those numbers sound right. Um, but you could buy a course and learn how to copyright like like the, like you could buy a thousand dollar course and learn how to the fundamentals of copywriting well now you just gave yourself the biggest raise ever because now your sales pages don't suck anymore mm-hmm. or if you don't know how to create content you can buy a course on how to create content or how to make TikToks or how to whatever um there's so many resources and i think is if you being able to look at yourself and go what skills do i lack everyone goes oh i'm broke how do i quit being broke but it's if to ask the question of what skills am I lacking? For me, it was I sucked at sales and I sucked at copywriting. So I bought those skills. Scale- uh, you can you can very easily and affordably buy those skill sets and then, like we talked about earlier, like then execute on them and then get those reps in.
0: Yeah. So this is a great conversation. I really like some of the points you made. I have been known to be critical of uh, "quote unquote" investing in yourself. Like I, I think a lot of coaches, especially early on, use it as a crutch. To Mm -hmm. not execute and then they overspend irresponsibly. So, there's a couple of things I want to unpack here. It's like one, because you said earlier, you are not a big risk taker, you're very methodical. And so, I'm just curious when you're thinking about either hiring out or making a, a business decision like that, like, what type of like process do you go through? Like, how do you measure? Cause some of it isn't like, it's not tangible, right? Like, right. you're like oh, I can hire this mentor. I can't really measure what the ROI is going to be sure. until maybe even three years down the road. Sometimes it'll pay off in the short term. Sometimes it's a really long-term play. And that's, I'm not saying that's a wrong, a wrong thing, but I'm just sure. curious for you yeah. as someone who's very like calculative, calculated in those decisions. <laughs> yeah. uh, like what process do you go through when you're doing yeah. that?
1: definitely um and i and i and if you want we could even talk about the times where i've like pro- invested and i probably shouldn't have and mm-hmm. I, what could, like um but then the times where it was just uncomfortable i think that's a big thing too is so a few things number 1 is um i've always been been very big on like i, I can for me and I, I know everyone is in a different situation i when in doubt i always bet on myself because I know I'm an executor, Mm -hmm. like, cause I will take someone's free content to the grave. Right. Or I will, you know, like things like that, where for me is, if it comes down to, if it's, if this doesn't work, it's my fault. It's not the fault of the program. It's because Mm -hmm. I did not execute myself. Um, So when in doubt, I always make sure like, am I betting on myself or am I betting on this program being my saving grace? That kind of thing. Um, Number two is one. Can I actually afford it? You know, like even like with uh, so for example, um, I've had mentors because where things are at now, it's not cheap to get a mentor to, you know, when Mm -hmm. I was learning how to take my six figure business to a seven figure business, like you, those mentors aren't cheap, right? That's always uncomfortable cutting that check. But then the question is like, does this person have the results I want? Is this legitimate, like, like from the background of like, do I actually trust them? Do I think they can produce the results? Do they operate ethically? That kind of thing. But then on paper, can I actually afford it? You know, like my first expense, what I would call my first like major investment mentor was like 20,000. It was um, most of my, my biggest card swipe I've ever had. And it was terrifying, but it wasn't terrifying because I couldn't afford it. Um, I could afford it easily at, the, at that time. But the question is like, fuck, am I going to, what if this doesn't work? But then it came back to it. I know on paper, this guy can help me. I know on paper, the the ROI is here Um, and it was there. So I think for me is is making sure I'm not making overnight quick decisions. I definitely feel yep. me. I've always been natural. Like I, I know in sales, it's like, don't let your lead think go and think about it. Yeah. I, 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 especially for me, I always want to make sure this is, um, I'm always in a place where I am making sure I'm sound of mind. I'm not emotional. Or I'm not like big FOMO. Oh, I can't, what if I don't sign up right now? Like understanding right. the game. Um, that's huge, whatnot. by the way, I
0: actually want to yeah. just emphasize that is yeah. huge. I try to tell people, hey, you want to invest in your business? You think it's a good idea? Sleep on it for seven days. Come back to it. Yeah. If you still have that same excitement and you can afford it, do it. Yeah. If you don't have that same excitement, you might want to start asking yourself, why? Why don't mm-hmm. you have that same excitement anymore? And sometimes the counter argument is like, oh, but I know I'll talk myself out of it. And I'm like, maybe that could be true. Yes, I, I see that as well. But I'm like, I'm more on your camp of like... Yeah don't make it from an emotional standpoint don't sure. don't manifest it and energy and all that stuff yeah. like no no, no no think about it run the numbers and does it make sense so i just want to yeah. emphasize that's that's yeah. huge
1: so like even like early on when i was like really broke when i first hired like my like when i first hired jordan way back and this is we're talking like probably like six years seven years ago something like that um I knew if I could just, my thing was because it was just like paying him monthly. It wasn't like a big paid in full. It was just paying him monthly. And I just, my first goal was I want to cover my payment. If I can make an extra, it was like $700 or whatever. If I can make $700 a month from this, it's good. It's free. So that was how I viewed it. When I first, uh, with my, the, the guy that I paid the, the, the 22, my first goal was how fast can I make 20 that quick? Fun fact and that and to be honest, I made it that month. Like I made an additional like 28K or that month or whatever. It's because I'm like, I just want to cover my ass. Mm-hmm. So that was like my like whenever I invest in anything, my goal is to make my ROI back immediately. Like uh, whenever I've bought like one-off courses, like uh there's a, a great copywriting course I bought for a thousand bucks. I immediately wrote a sales page to make the thousand dollars back like that. So I've always that's always how I've kind of operated, and I, I agree. Like it may not happen immediately. Like the ROI may be a little bit down the road, but if I can help it, I want to get it ROI positive, like as fast as possible, so it's over. You know. So that's kind of how I view a lot of that is is from that kind of standpoint, the very rational side, and like, can I afford it? Does it make sense logically? Is there a, a is what's the ROI? What kind of timeline am I, am I looking at for the ROI? If my ex, my actions are in check, Um and then from like a, an intuitive side of things like, is this okay in my gut or is there something Mm -hmm. fishy, you know, a lot of that kind of setup.
0: Yeah, dude, there were so many great things. And I love this conversation because people have kind of started to label me as like anti-business coach and I'm really not, I just, I think I need the numbers to make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've emphasized, like you've said it many times, like if you can afford it, if you can afford it, which is for me, like the biggest thing, it's just like, if you're a young coach. Go execute on the free shit, right? Yeah. And then to your point, I really like this. Then go find trainings on specific skills that you need. Yeah. You don't just need five different, you know, general business coaches to tell you what direction, cause one, all five of them are gonna have a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're not gonna be able, you're gonna like just be paralyzed with all all right. the stuff, right? So go get specific skills. That's a really good way to invest in yourself early on. Um yeah. And then I personally, I'm just not a fan of using debt. Like you say you swiped the card, but you could afford it. Right. So it's not like you yeah. swiped it and then it took you two Correct. years to pay it off. Right. Correct. And so some coaches are either taking out personal loans or they're building up credit cards. And, and I've heard the counter argument of like, well, people take out, you know, $300,000 to go to college. And I'm like, yeah, but that system's broken. Like you don't mm-hmm. want, why would you want to replicate a system that yeah. is terribly broken? But also let's be honest, like, College loans are more of an average. It's probably like fifty to one hundred k, and those are about five to seven percent rate loans. A personal credit card is probably going to be about twenty five to thirty percent. And if you're if you've done this a lot of times and it hasn't gone well, it's probably a little bit higher because your credit's probably trashed, right? So even you know twenty thousand on a credit card, it's going to take you probably longer to pay off. You know, I have not on the numbers, but probably take you longer to pay that off than it would a $50,000 student loan at 6% interest. You know what I mean?
1: So it's funny you bring that up because I did this once. Like I can't, I don't want to say I regret it because it taught me a lot and it got me in a few circles, which changed a lot for me. But when I was early on and I started getting into this stuff, um, I used to be a huge, like eat, sleep and breathe like Grant Cardone, right? Like mm-hmm. that kind of, kind of vibe. Well, um, I basically everything that I just said I did the wrong way. So um he was doing this big in person event um in in Miami, and this was years ago when, when I was like I wasn't making any money, I was struggling. So I'm like, Oh, Grant Cardone is the sales expert. So if I could just learn from him and he basically made like I was like, oh, I don't want to miss out, I don't want to miss out, which exactly was the point of what he was trying to sure. say. It was just lots of lots of FOMO i could not afford it i maxed out two credit cards Ooh. two different credit cards to f- afford the 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 event and my flights <clears throat> and everything and i went so all in i'm like nope i know this is going to change my life i know i'm going to like walk away and instantly be able to make like i'm going to invest this money and i know as soon as like i get home it's going to be like that which was just ignorant right because i got caught up everything that i said not to do. I got caught up doing. I got caught up in the moment. I got emotional. I didn't think. Of, I wasn't actually sound of mind. I couldn't afford it. And in that, to be honest, the, the things that they taught at that seminar, he had a lot of free content on. I could have just done a little more due diligence on YouTube, a little more due diligence on the podcast or whatever the case is. Um, because, but I was an early. I was like year two of coaching, not making any money, and I was desperate. So, and, and then I made a dumb decision because I was poor. I took it took a dude bro. It took me like years to pay that off because it was the interest rate was so high. So yeah, to, to piggyback on your point,
0: dude. Thank you for sharing that. And <laughs> honestly, we'll we'll use that for what's the most irrational emotional money decision you've made, right? Okay. So you, you mentioned earlier you weren't sure what to answer on that. We'll use that one because it okay. sounds like that fits really well. Um, <laughs> you know, I think what's really great about that is one, you kind of recognize is like. That could have gone worse, right? You did bounce back, Mm -hmm. but most people probably wouldn't have bounced back from that, which is unfortunate. Um, Most people, that would have crushed their business. And I think, I want to say it was Rico who posted the other day something like, uh, something about conferences and like, it's not going to teach you how I to think do I, anything. I
1: think I saw your post on it. You said, I would just rather watch it on YouTube or something like that.
0: Yeah. Right? So, and that was to, you just made that point. So I was going to reemphasize that. It was like, I've never been to a conference, especially conferences where there's like speakers. Um, I've never been to one where I haven't heard what they're saying on a YouTube or a podcast or whatever. Right. Because mm-hmm. they speak multiple times a year. So you've probably seen clips from that sure. that they've reused on social media, etc. Now going to an in-person conference, I think is really valuable for meeting sure. people. Right. I went to coaching mm-hmm. con last year, uh, didn't meet you, but like, I met Rico actually, I met right. Jess and Melissa and, and a handful of other individuals that I've had on the podcast. I had a couple clients out there. So the best part about that was meeting the people, mm-hmm. but a lot of the content, obviously, like some of it's motivating. It gets you kind of juiced up and re- reinvigorated for maybe a week or so. And, um, But a lot of it, you've heard somewhere else. You could go get that somewhere else. So, you know, I kind of agreed with, I actually 100% agreed with Rita's point (laughs) and and to what you were just saying. It's like, yeah, the conference stuff you can get for free. The the real benefit of that is networking, meeting people, um, one-on-one conversations in mass. That's the benefit of that. Uh, But that's also so much different than investing in like a one-to-one relationship. Mm -hmm. That is. Yeah. will provide, you know, more hands-on and, and personalized, customized, mm-hmm. intentional, like action advice, actionable yeah. advice.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that leans more into like, that's because they should be giving you skills in specifics, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and that's the thing is like, I've always been like a big, I, I've always been a big conference person. I've always loved them. Um, But I I, I think a lot of people, they um, like, I think Andy Frisella calls them success zombies where it's like, we go and you just like, it's like, you just feel good and hyped up, which and I think there's still merit to that. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're, if you're starting out, you're broke, you have no money. You can't even like, I would rather you invest like between a conference ticket and a couple flights, you're going to be out on a couple thousand, bu- thousand bucks. I yeah. think the ROI be pos- more positive is let's say the speaker that you really, really want to see buy his course for 500.
0: Yeah. That's like, good
1: point. like, like, I think like, if that's, if you know, it's like, no, I want to go and learn all this stuff. Cool not that like conferences are bad, but if like you can't afford the whole package, you can't afford it. Um, Like I couldn't with, with Grant Cardone stuff, I would have been better off in my case to buy a course for 500 bucks instead of throwing a, several thousand dollars that I didn't have. Um, You know? So I think, I think there's, I, I think there's plenty of other stuff where people can, can get the help that they need. Not even necessarily like even paying for it. Like there's so much stuff for free now that, if someone's starting off and struggling like it's it's absurd it's a it's absolutely absurd everyone goes follows the gary v model so their best shit is free so till you can get to the point where you can comfortably afford this stuff
0: there's so much good free content out there like if you're just if you're listening to this and you're just starting a coaching business you can probably get to 10k a month without a single investment a single hire (laughs) just based off free content out there. Just, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of get out there and follow the right people and in and out of the fitness industry. Like you've brought up yeah. so many individuals outside, you know, like Gary V, Ed Milet, um, Grant Cardone, et cetera. Like yeah. you've brought up all these people who are outside the industry. And then there's people in the industry that you can learn from as well. Yeah. You know, give Jared a follow, see what he's doing. You know, one, one of the things I really like about your content is like, it's all about the client right like Mm -hmm. actually if i'm a coach and i go look at that i'm not getting business advice which is the whole point right you are there to give advice to your clients and be relatable to them and you know i think there's a lot to learn from looking at your type of content and how coaches should put out content because sometimes they they like i think they just get lost and they start putting out content Mm -hmm. for other coaches i don't see you doing that like i can tell your content. Is not for other coaches. You know what no, I mean? I don't give a fuck about other coaches. Yeah, exactly. I literally
1: don't give two shits about other coaches. Right. Um, exactly. You know? <laughs> um, even though it's funny, um we, we do get a good amount of other coaches apply for coaching. But that's uh, success. Because-
0: success just brings that in. You know what sure. I mean? Sure.
1: Well, and it's, we, we, the, some of the stuff that we do in my coaching business is, is, is very, very different than a lot of other coaches. I know everyone says that, but mm-hmm. some of the specific problems that we solve in business, in, in my coaching business, I don't see a lot of other coaches solving. So we'll see other coaches say, Hey, I may be a coach, but I struggle with binge eating. I mm-hmm. can't get my, my, I can't get my emotional shit under control. I sabotage myself and can't get my shit together, but that's specifically what we fix. Cause no one else fixes it. So, um, a lot of times we'll get it because of that. Um, but it's interesting when talking about like other other starting coaches. I think one of the most unsung here unsung heroes about like the investing in yourself and all this stuff is the shit that is behind both of us. Like we we like I think when people invest in coaches and courses and all this stuff, they're trying to like bypass the time, which I get it. We're all impatient, mm-hmm. but like some of the best minds put out fifteen dollar Amazon books. You know what I mean? Like like out like if you want like you got guys like Alex Hermosi who is like the king of offers and sales with a $15 book on how to structure an offer. I think it's you know like a I mean? dollar. I think it's, yeah. I think, like, like I think the Kindle is like a dollar, but yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing is, is that only because like, he
0: has to charge. Like he can't put it on a Kindle yeah. for free or else it would be. Right.
1: right. Um, the best minds put out the best shit they have in a book. But the problem is this is, I think the whole stem behind what we're talking about here is that requires taking, reading entire books, taking the time and intention And then applying that takes a lot of bandwidth versus someone just tell me what to do and I'll do it like, cool. I get that. But if you can't afford for, you know, ABC business coach to tell you what to do, maybe you should just go buy his business code or go buy his, uh, his book and then apply what's relevant. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And I think we're just going to reemphasize, you know, kind of what you said earlier and then wrap it, you know, is, um, you wouldn't have been able to handle, the success you have now early on, right? And that's why you don't need to chase quick wins, quick success. Take the time to read the books, take the time to do the courses, take the time to learn by experience and build a business over time. And you will have built a foundation that will set you up for success, whether it's in that business or future endeavors later on in life. That adversity that you go through in those first couple of years of building a business will set you apart from all the other coaches who are chasing quick wins, quick money, um, and overnight success. So I yeah. think to recap the episode, we will go with that point that you made earlier. <laughs> um, where can people find you learn more about you? Uh, tell them how to find you Jared.
1: Yeah. Uh, so if you like shorter, shorter form content, I spend all day on TikTok and Instagram at real Jared Hamilton for both of those. Um, my whole, I have a podcast myself where I get really deep into some of the stuff and have some pretty dope guests. Uh, that's called dieting from the inside out. Um, so you can either search that anywhere or go to dining, from the And that's the show site. Um, but those are the easiest places to find me. So.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Really fun conversation. I liked where it went. I didn't expect it to go so <laughs> much into the uh, education, investing in yourself, but it was a fun conversation. It was beneficial for me because I feel like people can listen to it and be like, oh, he doesn't completely hate, you know, investing in <laughs> mentors and business coaches. Sure. When it makes sense, I do. So uh, I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks for coming on. Of course, man. I appreciate it. Hey, coaches. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, then you'll definitely enjoy my weekly newsletter, The Wealthy Weekend. Every Friday afternoon, I share actionable tips and stories on how to be a wealthy coach that allows you to get 1% better even on the weekends. Check out the show notes to sign up or hit the link in my Instagram bio at Justin Green FP. All right, coaches. Until next time, be wealthy.